ladies and gentlemen, back from Philly, back from the road trip. I got a good buddy next to me, Jonah Heath, and uh, we're going to have a great pod for you guys today. Jonah may or may not have said the best quote of all time on this podcast. Oh, come Can on you confirm? Now. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's best original quote, it may have been. That's, it might be. It's original. off the top of original. the head, too. Exactly. Very original. It was just totally off the riff. You know what? I'll take that. I'll, t- I'll take I'll it. Take I'll that. take it. <laughs> the way you said that sounded like Shima's like dialect. That was funny. Um, we spent yeah. too much time together. Yeah, you do. You guys definitely do. Too much time at John's together making sandwiches. No more John's for me. You're done with John's? I've been done. I have my internship now. Oh, you're a real working man now. I, I well, hate it. I wish I could be back at John's. You love John's. I mean, I like my job, but <laughs> just something about John's. I just don't want to leave. Something about John's. Now they got Bennett there in your place. Poor. <laughs> that, that's a, it was a big shoes to fill. Massive shoes to fill for sure. Bennett, best of luck to you. But uh, yeah, good pod today, guys. Breaking down the Detroit series for you guys from start to finish. Of course, Jonah and his D-backs did a great job in that series. So excited to discuss today. But uh, this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pipe It Up podcast, the official podcast of MLW Wiffle Ball. Jonah Heath, welcome to the show. First time guest in studio, right? Yes, sir. In a little sir. while. Yep. You were on what, after the World Series maybe? Yeah, I think in the off season. After your back-to-back titles? Yeah. You dog. You oh. dog. You guys are back on track too. Jonah and the D-backs are fresh off of a sweep in the historic Detroit series, which we'll get into today against the Eagles. Uh, pretty dominant fashion, I'd have to say. Did it feel that way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, it <laughs> yeah, did. it's humble. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, I think, I think at the corner ballpark, it was a little bit more competitive, even though you shut them out both times. But uh, at, at Wayne State, at Harwell Field, it was all it was all downtown D backs from from the first pitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor yeah, Dan. Safe to say, we'll we'll talk about Dan a little bit. But uh, first thing I wanted to talk about with you was just uh, what do you think of the two fields, the two setups being both the corner ballpark and then Harwell Field at Wayne State. Uh, how those fields compare to the Meadows versus SoFi versus the mini MLB series. You guys have played at some really cool venues for sure over the last two years. Yeah, they were both definitely incredible. I think they're both a little different because uh, Corner Ballpark was turf. It was really nice. And mm-hmm. like having, that was the first time I played in front of like actual fans like that, aside from like tournaments and stuff. But mm-hmm. like for an MLW series and my first time in front of fans, that was really cool. It was like a different just experience in general. So that was really awesome. Then uh, over at Wayne State, that was just, it was beautiful. It was, it was really beautiful. cool, really cool to play there. So mm-hmm. Definitely a big wall, uh, a daunting wall. And, uh, of course, no one actually hit it over there. I'm not even sure it was possible. It, it may have been. It may have been. We were debating beforehand, like, is it doable? Is it not doable? And you guys didn't really take BP on the field. You were on the Wayne State infield, so we didn't get to see any BP chances at it. But, yeah, that was a really cool venue. And it's always nice to just play on a professional field like that, you know, especially grass. I was going to ask you, what do you like better, like professional professional grass like that like you played on in vermont and detroit or do you prefer playing on turf like so fire corner ballpark when you get like the nice like that professional grass like that it is nice but i still think i got to go with turf just like mm-hmm. the ball doesn't slow down it doesn't take bad hops like you just know what you're going to get with the turf so i kind of like that yeah i have mixed feelings about it too i think for baseball i would say i prefer well-kept grass over turf all day long you can't beat it it's just the look of it, the feel of it, it just feels more like baseball. But for wiffle ball specifically, it is nice like having the ball be fast on the ground. You know, I, I do like that aspect of turf. And um it create wiffle balls I think are more affected too by the bad hops of grass when grass isn't isn't perfect. So 
I think turf might be the play for wiffle ball. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Especially like I think it was in game one. I think, I think Waylon hit a ball down like the first baseline, mm-hmm. and like I fielded it behind first base. But I feel like if that was on grass, like it either could have hopped or it would have went foul or like or slowed just died down. In front it, of yeah, you. it would have yeah. died, and it would have been like a way closer play. So I guess feel like it changes the whole dynamic of fielding sometimes. Yeah, I think the defense in Detroit was really good the first day, day one for games one and two. Jimmy made some good plays. He caught that line drive. Oh, yeah. There was a play, I th- I can't remember if it ended the first game. I can't remember when it was, but there was a play where Jimmy w- had to go to his right to field the ground ball, and you were covering first, and he ranged over, and you guys made that play. Um, you flipped one to Jimmy over there, too. That was nice. And, yeah, I, th- I think the defense overall was good on the turf, as it should be, right? Yeah. As it should be. Um, what about dimensions-wise? Did that field feel similar to the Meadows, similar to SoFi? I feel like I told Kyle, I thought we did a really good job of popping that field up fast, and it was, like, pretty well done at the corner ballpark. Yeah, I got there, and you guys were, like, just setting up, and I think it was, like, already done by the time mm-hmm. I was, like, ready to get warming up and stuff. So it was actually, you guys are very efficient with that. Uh, the dimensions felt... They felt a lot more similar to the Meadows compared to how SoFi felt to the Meadows. Okay. In what way? Explain. I felt like at SoFi, the fence was a lot more straight. So, okay. like, from pole to pole was maybe a little further, and, like, center was a little shallow. Hmm. But I feel like at the corner ballpark, you got it, the fence was a lot more curved, so it fit the dimensions a okay. lot more. I'm, tr- I'm having trouble remembering. I remember SoFi felt... A little bit wide. I felt like we had more yes, wide. So if I felt a little bit deep and it felt wide, and I remember because we wanted to make sure that the whole entire field that SoFi Stadium fit in the main camera shot, like right before the first pitch, we actually pulled back the, the carpet at home plate to make it a little bit deeper so that the field kind of got skinnier and, and deeper, just a couple feet. But still, it makes a difference in football. Every foot counts. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Detroit, we did not do that. I think Detroit was pretty similar distance wise compared to the Meadows, in my yeah. opinion. Um, you saw Pishka's home run. That was a line shot. It oh still went gosh. over. That was a missile. That was a missile. I um, watched it back. Like, I remember watching it, but, like, watching on camera, I was like, dude, that thing got out in a heartbeat. It did. I don't think, I can't remember where I was filming from. I think I was in center field. So, I was, like, focused on, you know, over the shoulder from um, from Dallas and then focused on Pishka. So, like, I saw the contact, but I didn't see how fast it got out. And, yeah, watching it back, I was also surprised with how low it stayed. <laughs> it was a missile. Good for him. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Different environment. Fans were there. I think it was a, a good entry for him. I'm sure it left a pretty good taste in his mouth um, after that first game. How do you, how do you blend with you guys? Like, what was oh, it like meeting him and he's stuff? He's such a good kid. Dude. I, I actually like him a lot. Did he go out with you guys in Detroit after the game? I he, think he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, we went out. We had, we sat at separate spots. That's why I didn't remember. But okay. Because everyone took the table. There was like a... <laughs> Wait, what so you, you recommended second, second best. best. Yeah. So we went there. And it was a small place, and there was, like, mm-hmm. two big round tables, and everyone went and sat there. Like, even, like, da- like our buddy Dave and, Dave. like, all that. Like, <laughs> hey, Dave, if they you're all watching kinda, this, I've been messing with Dave. <laughs> I don't even know the kid. They all, like, took the table. So me and Shima were just stuck, so we went and sat up at the bar and just, like, ate our food there. Mm-hmm. And, like, we just caught up, I guess, while everyone else hung out. But. Okay. Yeah, your buddy Dave, uh, I had a funny first impression of him. I don't know why. I could kind of sense he was just a goofy dude. And uh, we went to the Tigers game when, yeah. I think it was the night that Josh Young was, was playing. On that Tuesday, right? yeah. Yeah, and so Dave was, like, he, you're like, oh, we're bringing a friend of ours. He has a separate ticket. I was like, yeah, no problem. So we show up with Dave, and I was like, Dave, there's, like, plenty of seats in this row. You could probably just sit with us, and it wouldn't be an issue. And he's like, and you're like, oh, he's sitting up in his tickets. Like, he's fine. And he's just by himself. And then, so I was I, I was judging him for that. And then he came down. I was like, about time, dude. You would sit alone this entire game. And then he came down, and then. 
we were in Philly and Matt was talking about Dave and Matt gave me his phone number and I was screwing around with him. But but anyway, he seems like a nice kid. I heard I heard Dave can ball. Yeah, play some baseball. Yes, he can. Uh, Future MLW prospect, Dave. Dude, uh, he is like virtually a submarine pitcher. That's what like I heard. Baseball, yeah. So He's born to whiff, it sounds out, like. We were playing a couple weeks ago and he was like throwing to me. Mm-hmm. And he just, he steps to the side and literally throws like a screwball through his legs. Like, he took like a sidestep. Matt, like, Matt described this to me. Legs. So it's, he throws the ball underneath and like he, this. And he hit this, he threw a screwball and hit the zone on me. I was just stunned. Dave, top prospect 2024, telling you guys right now. But then after that, uh, he missed like the backstop. <laughs> like, so it was not beginner, even his it was zone, beginner's like, luck, you think? Maybe that. I, I don't know. Maybe he just needs to throw every pitch like that. Maybe. Maybe. That's one pitch that has not yet been displayed on the MLW ball field. I will say, though, you mentioned how the field looked good, and I, I agreed. It was it was uh, not stressful too much for me. Me and Kyle had a pretty low-stress setup. We got there early. It let us on the field a little bit early to get ready for the event. And um, Mr. Schultz and Dan were tasked with uh, bringing the portable fence. That was the same fence, by the way, guys. That fence that you saw on the field at the corner ballpark, that was the exact same fence that we used in SoFi Stadium. So we purchased that fence to use at SoFi, used it at SoFi, and then we had it shipped from California all the way back to Michigan, which was not cheap, to use it potentially at another event like this. So it worked out. So that was the same exact fence you guys saw. And then, um, so that was Mr. Schultz and Daniel were bringing that in a U-Haul from Brighton, Michigan to Detroit, which is about 45 minutes or so. Well, they get there to the field, and they only had like a portion of the fence. And I was like, oh, what's, where's the rest of the fence? And Mr. Schultz and Dan look all stressed out, and they're like, well, we got a 10-foot U-Haul, and the fence was 10 feet, and I thought I could fit it all like diagonally in the U-Haul, but I couldn't fit them all. He's like, so then they called Mr. Price, Clayton Price's dad, former Eagle, who lives in our neighborhood and has a truck, and luckily he was available and helped out and put the rest of the fence in his truck and drove it to Detroit. So super clutch moment for Mr. Price, Clayton's dad, saved the day and got the fence down there. And then besides that, like the foul lines you guys saw on the field were the same ones we used in Toledo, the Porta Field. We also use that at SoFi. Um, bases, we used the same bases from the Meadows. Just duct taped them down. And then we didn't use a turf mat. I don't, oh, we did use a mat, didn't we? No, no mat. Yeah, for the box. I don't think we used a mat. I don't remember. But it turned out good. Yeah. At the end of the day, it turned out good. We saw a little bit of quotes from like Rudy and Jimmy. And I think even Mr. Schultz was in there like giving some little blurbs about Detroit and the city. But was it like at all meaningful for you or cool for you to play down there? Within the Detroit city limits. Yeah, it was just really cool. Like, I mean, I grew up going down there mm-hmm. all the time. Tigers, Red Wings games, whatever. Just was cool to see. Uh, definitely, I haven't been to Corner Ballpark yet since they revamped it and stuff. And I know uh, Sailor played there a lot for college. College, so he always talked about it. So it was cool to see. I didn't really like know what it looked like too much, and that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Even from we were there in 2019 with the Tigers for an event, and even since then. Um, it's developed a lot. Like, there didn't used to be all those apartments around the outfield where, it, like it was, you guys saw it in the thumbnail and the video. Those are all brand new. So that's, like, a very new and upcoming little area of Detroit because, like Kyle said in the voiceover in the video, when they knocked down the park, they just didn't put anything there for years. It just sat there as an empty dirt lot where the old Tiger Stadium used to sit. And now it's this nice turf baseball field used by, like you said, colleges, youth teams, different events are there. Like, people will rent that out and just put, like, tents on it and just have all kinds of people, picnic, that kind of thing. So... I think they're pretty flexible with the type of events that uh, are held there. And I think we were a bit of a unique one, <laughs> which was cool. And hopefully we can 
who knows maybe we'll do something with them again in the future so yeah that'd be cool but overall it went pretty well a good turnout of crowd um you guys saw some fans playing some games and whatnot and it was a bummer that we couldn't have fans at Wayne State because the thing at Comerica was canceled. Like, the Wayne State thing came together very quickly. Shout out to Rudy. Rudy was the one who really pushed that forward and made it happen. So, without Rudy, I don't know if we would have even gotten Harwell Field, which was pretty cool. Got to use your connections. Yeah, definitely. Rudy definitely earned his keep there at Wayne State over the years. And also, I got to give a shout out to Rudy, too. Rudy actually made a pro baseball team. There's a league called the USPBL. You might be familiar with Jimmy John's Field out there mm-hmm. in Utica. Yeah. So there's like four or five teams in that league. They all play at the same home field. It's a real professional stadium. You can look it up, the USPBL, and Rudy tried out and made it. So Rudy's a professional baseball player now. That's sick. I know. I was talking to his dad about it at the gym a couple days ago. So hopefully there's guys that get drafted out of there um, pretty often. So that'd be sweet if Rudy made a little pro career for himself for a little while. That'd That'd be be awesome. Great hitter. Guy struggles to hit a wiffle ball, but, man, he can mash a baseball. (laughs) I saw the video. I think last year you showed me he hit a bomb over that left field uh, at Harwell Field? Yeah. Yeah, when Rudy came out to watch us play that day at Harwell, um, I forget who asked him, like, Rudy, you ever hit one over there? And he's like, many a times, man, many a times. I don't know what his career home run numbers were, but I know his career batting average is pretty high. So he had a pretty good little career for himself. Well, Jonah, getting into the details of the series a little bit, um, in game one you guys faced Dallas, and Dallas didn't pitch into game three because of his elbow injury, which we'll talk about in just a second. But how did he look in game one? Because I saw you up there pretty frustrated a couple of times. There was a knuckleball he threw that got you looking, and you look back at the camera and just, like, shook your head, and it was funny. Yeah. No, he... Uh, but you hit well off him last year, so I was surprised. Yeah, I think so. Last year, I had, like, that really good series off him. Yeah, and that, I was, faced that him was your again. moment last year. That yeah, and the World uh, Series. So. Those were two big days. Yeah. Best time to have my I guess. Uh, no, for sure. So we faced him again in playoffs, mm-hmm. and I think for the most part, he kind of had my number again. I think he just, like, realized, like, he has to switch it up with me a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think he's done actually a really good job of doing that. So I got to tip my cap to him. But then especially yeah, this past series, he uh, just every direction he was moving the ball and it was really throwing me off. And like then, yeah, just to finish it off, gives me a little knuckleball. Knuckleball. Right off. like the. I was looking back too because I thought I was like, wow, I really played like pretty bad. But then I kind of <laughs> look back and I'm like, he's hitting corners yeah, and like pipes that and stuff. And I'm sometimes, like, dude. sometimes I'm just getting like the short end of the stick and I got to tip my cap and I'm just like, you know what? That's a good pitch. So. Yeah. I've been talking a lot on the podcast recently about how like the margin between a bad day and a good day is so small in our league. Mm-hmm. And like you said, sometimes you pitchers just make good pitches. I remember in Grant's first day when the Magic played against the Gators. Like Grant was having these good at bats, and then someone would just spot up against him, whether it was uh, Cheatham or Georgie, and he just struck him out. And I was like, well, "Dude, I feel bad. Like you're not having a good day on paper, but I see you battling up there." And so yeah, sometimes you just get beat straight up. It's it's so hard. You really only get like maybe one good pitch in at bat to try to get a piece of, and if you don't get that, being down on the count with a ball is so tough. Yeah, so. especially now more than ever too. This year with a four man lineup, I. I know. I haven't even been in a four-man lineup. Chances are so limited. And now, yeah, I'm getting probably two or three less at-bats, like a a game or even like up to 10 a day I'm like losing. I'd say say you're losing easily probably between four to six at-bats a series, Mm -hmm. if not, depending on the day and how well the pitcher is doing. But, yeah, you definitely, you notice it, you know, Mm -hmm. especially you who's been playing in the three-man lineup for your entire career. You definitely notice, like, oh, I'm not up yet. Like, I feel like I haven't hit in forever. So you definitely do notice that. Um, but yeah, guys, Dallas's injury, talk about that a little bit. So um, between when he pitched at the corner ballpark and then playing at Wayne State, those games were played about nine days apart. Um, he did hurt his elbow. I don't have a lot of information about what exactly went wrong. I think he just noticed it during travel baseball, his summer league. Had some elbow pain, so didn't want to throw. 
didn't want to throw in game three to push the issue. That led to Dan starting at Wayne State. And uh, poor Dan, man, he's catching a lot of catching a lot of heat I hear across the comment sections and in the Discord. And while I kind of want to laugh at him because he used to make fun of me when I started struggling, it, it does suck. Fans are so ruthless, man. One bad day, you're going to just grill the guy? Come on. Yeah. Cut him some slack. No, fans are, uh, they got no chill sometimes. Some of them just love to. Absolutely no chill. If you give them one little, like, <laughs> one, like, spot to step on, they'll mm-hmm. take it. For sure, for sure. We were, uh, we were driving back from Philly, so I was with Warda, and Warda kind of manages the MLW Discord. And he's like, gosh, man, Dan is just getting flamed in here. And he was talking about how ruthless everyone is. Like you were just saying, like, they don't, they don't waste any opportunity they can to, to bash you. And uh, I feel for Dan. And I hope he bounces back. But I will say it. The reason I think it's kind of funny is because, like I said, he used to make fun of me for when I started to struggle a little bit. And I started getting made fun of in the comment section on the mound. Um, like, the timing of everything from my career to Dan's career is, like, eerily similar eerily similar so i think when i first i pitched pretty good i pitched really good in 2017 when i came into the league again 2018 had another solid year on the mound 2019 and 2020s when it started to get pretty dicey so i was two years removed from baseball and i had my first full-time office job first full-time internship for the summer dan also is now i think he's three years removed from baseball and he also has his first time full first full-time office job internship type thing and it just it started the week of that Wayne State series, the, the the Wayne State game at Harwell Field. So like Monday was his first day, then Tuesday, Wednesday. So he worked a full day and then came to wiffle ball. And I was like, Dan, I told you, man, when you stop playing baseball, your body's gonna be out of shape and you're gonna lose that muscle memory. You're gonna be busy at work and have your mind on other things, and it's tough. And he's like, Yeah, you were right, Dom. You were right. I can even attest to that. I mean, I'm doing my first yeah. internship now too, and it's like it's game day, and like sometimes it doesn't even cross my mind. I'm like, I have such like I know other things going on that i'm like i leave work and i'm like oh my gosh i gotta get ready like yeah for sure that's how it was i mean all of for me 2019 and 2021 uh it was yeah you know leave my house for work at 6 45 7 o'clock work till maybe 4 15 or so try to skip out a little bit early if i have a game or if we have a game for mlw and then eat on the way there change at the field and play like it's it's a lot it's a long day yeah, and uh, it's easy to get. Uh, it's easy to like not put wiffle ball as the priority if you're busy with other things too, especially like mentally. If you're thinking about, like you said, work all day instead of wiffle ball and watching videos or taking a couple extra swings before the game, it's it's tough mm-hmm. for sure. So, Dan, welcome to the welcome to adulthood, man. It gets tougher and tougher. I'll tell you what, a lot of us are dealing with it. Whereas RJ, for example. Kid's like 14, not a care in the world, just comes out here and balls. I think he can like legally have a job yet. Yeah, probably so not. Kicks it all day in hey, the it's, summer. It's, 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 it's kind of a young man's game, especially on the mound. We've seen a lot of young success in this league. We've seen RJ do it this year. Dallas was the guy Trey. last year. Trey Flood now coming into his zone. We'll talk about him. Um, we can talk about him right now. He's been excellent. I think he's a big reason why you guys are now 5-1 and one compared to last year when you were 1-5 and five at this time. Do, would you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Have you noticed at all a change in like his demeanor or his maturity from last year to this year? Or what do you think has been the big difference for him? His, maybe his actual stuff, his arsenal, but... Yeah, I think like you said kind of like maturity. Like he, uh, he's just smarter a bit with batters now. He, um, like he doesn't mess with them. He doesn't try to play with his food. What, what we <laughs> like to say a lot. He, Don't uh, play with your food. He, uh, he goes right at him. He's a lot smarter with his pitch selection, his location, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. he definitely has just grown. I think a lot. He's. I think yeah. I because I faced him for just a game. I think last year when we swept you guys, um, same time frame as last year. Humble brag and humble brag. Hey, but. <laughs> 
the t- times are changing. You guys are five and one now, so it's all good. But I think I remember him throwing a lot of like risers that were pretty flat. And he had a slider too. But now he's been getting guys with that drop ball. Mm-hmm. His drop ball is pretty nasty. And like you said, just more experience in MLW. He plays in his own league too. A little bit older, a little bit more mature, less of a shock factor now. I think all those are contributing to it. But it seems like he's pitching just as good as Jimmy right now, which is crazy. Yeah. Definitely. I think Trey's 3-0, and right? Yeah, I think so. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, definitely. It was similar for Dallas. Dallas also kind of came into his own in the mound in his second season. Mm-hmm. That's why the RJ thing is so shocking, guys. It usually takes like several starts to get guys going, maybe even a full season. So for RJ to come in here and throw four shutouts is crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Even like a game you'd think maybe. Like it'll take him a game to get settled in or not. Yeah. And he just he touched the rubber and he just touched the rubber after not throwing a strike in warm-ups, like Jack said, to just dominating for four games straight. Yeah. It's completely wild. But yeah, five and one's gotta feel good. I will say though, you guys are a team who, from what I've seen, plays pretty good under pressure. Um, you mentioned the Eagles series last year in the regular season. Like that was backs against the wall time. You guys had to win that series to make the playoffs. You played really good. Um, Jimmy pitched well in that series. And then in the playoffs, of course, pressure, high-pressure environments. You guys have never lost a playoff series in the last two years, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how do you guys keep that same mentality of like being the underdog or playing under pressure? Because it seems like that's when you're playing your best with football. Now you're 5-1 and one atop the division, standalone first place. Uh, I think it's it's a lot similar to like things Jimmy will say a lot. He's like, we know who we are. We know how good we can play. Like, Let's just do it. Let's not worry about who we're playing against or what the stakes are. Let's just go play and just... If we play our game, we should be okay. Mm-hmm. Playing your game. Jim almost had a perfect game. And uh, the turf kind of uh, played a factor. It like hit the front of the turf mm-hmm. and skated away. Although I did notice you were, because of the way the ball was hit, Jimmy had a layout, right? And I saw you were kind of running towards like the direction the ball was hit instead of covering first. So he would, I think you would have had to peg him to get him out. It would have been mm-hmm. tough play. But it, it did it did sting seeing that it get taken away. the worst play in wiffle ball. What playing first base and oh, an in betweener from the pitcher mm-hmm. to the first baseman happens to me. All I feel like I get targeted mostly, like with it. I, I'm sure it happens to other guys, but like an in betweener and like I'll always go for it because I'm like, if that goes past Jimmy, it's going to be in well, de- no man's land. This is this is what let me comment on this too because I've made this mistake many a times, guys. Because I first of all, I'm used to playing second base in baseball too, and it's a skinnier field, right? So when you're standing there in wiffle ball. Like, with the angle you're facing the batter, in my opinion, it's, like, very similar to playing second base in baseball. And, yeah, my first instinct is to always jet towards second to cover second base because that's kind of what you do as a second baseman in, in a lot of situations. You're never really running towards first. So, yeah, the tweeners are so weird. Like, you think it's going to your shortstop, and all of a sudden your pitcher snags, and you're like, I'm going the wrong way, and no one's there. Mm-hmm. It's tough, so I, I feel that. Just to, like, even worse, I mean, not that it's, like, bad, but... It'll be like an in-betweener between like me and Jimmy, and I'll start going towards it. But mm-hmm. he's so like athletic. Yeah. Or He'll find a way to get there, and then I'm stuck in no man's land, like yeah. in between not covering the bag or whatever. So he's got to either like run to beat him to the bag or peg him or something. And it's like makes me look kind of bad, even though like if that gets past him, though, like I got to be there. Yeah, so just like that. Tough, it's, it's tough. tough it's tough. Between. I remember we had. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but just watch the Philly series. And we'll comment on the same exact subject All next right. week. I wanted to to talk about just the 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 D-backs mentality and the the aura of the team, which is like kind of goofy a little bit. Like you guys are all just like pretty good characters, and I don't know if it really shows all that much in the video. It does a little bit for sure, but I feel like you guys are kind of your business at the field. You know, in your interviews yeah. you're pretty business oriented. Jim is all business in his post game interviews, his pre game interviews, but the team is so goofy. So does like how does that contribute to you guys' success, you think? Just all your guys' little quirks and stuff. I think it just helps us like 
remember it's a game. We have mm-hmm. fun still. Like we can still be. Yeah, it's definitely not as much as like you would see off camera, but we can still just have fun. Like kind of kick back, relax. Like mm-hmm. practices feel like games because games feel like practice sometimes. Like Ooh, I like that. Same energy, practices same vibe. Feel like, like games because games feel like practice. Yeah. Is that your quote? Do you want to put that? I just that just ha- popped in my that head. Is that a CMU hockey quote? No, I actually just. That's came Jonah up with that. Heath. Can we? Can we let's like, get that. Trademark <laughs> let's that. Let's TM. I want. We need like a black and white photo of you, like, <laughs> and then the like, quote over the screen. So games feel like practice because practice feels like games. TM. Yes. Yeah, I like that. TM. Jonah Heath. Yeah. Perfect. Well, yeah, you guys are a goofy group. We saw. I saw that firsthand in SoFi. I spent a couple days with you guys. Yes, yeah. that's the, what. Like, I wish airport. we would like. My gosh, the airport <laughs> or In and Out too. Oh Remember the In and Out with the fries? I oh think my god. Well, I think back at the airport, I think you guys were ready to like decapitate. Dude, me I was Jimmy just like embarrassed. <laughs> I don't know if I told that story on the podcast yet, but yeah, I don't think so. These two is Jonah and Shima and Bennett. Bennett's a goofball he, too. He's contributing. We're all sitting in this corner, right, of the airport at our at our gate. Returning from LA back to Detroit, okay, and it's uh it's in the evening, right? It was a red eye home, Probably, yeah. I think our flight left at like nine thirty or ten o'clock uh, local time in LA to return at like five thirty in the morning here, yeah. And so it's me and Jonah and Shima and Bennett and Jimmy, maybe Gus. Kyle, the, the Cobras were not sitting by us, were they? It was no, just you guys, I think. Kind of parted ways. They parted ways after the series loss. I think but, Kyle was there too. He may. I feel. Like, I feel like he was with the Cobras. I don't remember him being Maybe. there. It was a while. People might have know. came and gone. But yeah. Anyway, amongst our corner here, our little like cubby hole we're sitting in is just one other woman who made a poor choice to sit there because <laughs> these five or whoever it was were just laughing and like pushing each other and throwing things at each other. And I'm like, I am so. She's like laughing. She's being a good sport about yeah, it, right? She she's was. laughing. I'm like, I am so sorry. And I'm like, I'm not your guys' dad. Like, I'm not gonna. It's, it was just funny. And she was, then she started asking questions. She's like, why are you guys here? What are you doing? Yeah. And they're like, oh, we play biffle ball. And she's like, where at? And you guys said SoFi Stadium. She's like, oh, was it like an event thing? And I was like, no, it was our event. And then she kind of laughed. And then you guys kept goofing around. And then she asked another follow-up question about like who we were and why we were there. And I'm like, you'd be amazed at what this group could accomplish <laughs> what you're seeing right now. Yeah. And she just laughed. But it was funny. That's I when I got a full, that's when I got my full taste of the, the D-backs goofiness. That really is. And I think it was just like a mix of like, I think we took like a, a morning flight there. So we left at yep. like seven. We left, something. we left super early, got and home super which early. Which means we got there. It was like a six hour flight or whatever. And we mm-hmm. got there. We left at like 7 a.m. and got there at like 8 a.m. there. Yep. yep. So like the, the long time. Day. Th- so yeah, it was a long day. We we're in the heat and then like yeah, we didn't so sleep hot. a ton in the hotel. We were doing the same stuff in the hotel, like <laughs> messing around. Like I poor Baker. Dude. Oh, Baker was ba- in your room. Baker was in our room too. And I, he was trying to get work done. I feel oh, like. And no. I feel like there was something. He was really cool about it. I love yeah. Baker. But um, there were some times where we were probably a little loud, a little I think we just commented like, on that to him. I was like, how was it staying with these guys in LA? He's like, it was fine. He was yeah. a good sport about no, it. No, he's he so said. cool. But uh, he is. So then it was just like, you know, not too much sleep mm-hmm. and like driving to the stadium, like blasting our music, winning the World <laughs> Series, blasting more music, like still not sleeping, uh-huh. like hyped up on just the whole aroma the experience. of the whole yeah. experience. Yeah. And then just by the end of the trip, I think we had just had so much like giggle left in us. Oh yeah, that was, we just, yeah that that the last little portion at the airport was like the overtiredness of everybody. I think we were all tired and exhausted, and like we were relieved that the event was over and like we did it mm-hmm. and we accomplished it. So yeah, I, I mean, I was in a good mood too. Yeah, I was happy. I think we all slept like babies on the way home. Yeah. for sure. Also, <laughs> almost a huge like mishap at the airport. Bennett, 
No. no. Oh, Jimmy with the fan. Yes, a yes, fan yes. actually came up to Jimmy. Uh huh. And we like Jimmy was actually about to walk in with his World Series patch on his shirt and everything, and we like we all made sure we changed. Like we caught it. No, I think I think or he might have. I think had he changed. I think he changed, but she must still had on his like yeah, World someone Series might literally had, Somebody might have literally been like showing it, and I don't think yeah. he like picked up. But no, on because it. yeah, because Jimmy walked by himself to the bathroom. I think like to get a picture, and then Shima had the shirt on, but Jimmy didn't. Yeah, and the guy's like, "Oh, why are you in town, Jim?" I think Jimmy just said like, "Oh, like filming a video, yeah, for a video or something." But yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy's so recognizable. We, your most popular the, player, and has a distinct look. You know? Yeah, <laughs> very distinct. We were at distinct. like the like Livonia Fair. They call it the Spree. Oh, was this on? Uh, we were there like a couple days. Last ago. it was last Wednesday because we played wiffle ball, and Jimmy's like, "I want to go and get my deep fried yes, Oreo." Yes, yes. <laughs> so it was right after that. So I met them there because he went to the Oreo. Gives me a deep fried Oreo. I'm like, thanks, dude. And then. <laughs> Probably like four or five different times. Like someone's like stopping gym. Yeah, can I get a crazy. picture or whatever? I'm like, that is great. Well, I got that on my agenda here. Things to talk about. I wanted to ask you, um, like, what it is like playing alongside Jimmy, who, um, of course, plays a huge role in your guys' success. You know, he's a tremendous pitcher, tremendous defender, tremendous on offense. But without role players like yourself and Shima, and now adding guys like Trey Flood and Bennett, um, probably wouldn't have gotten the championship that he's gotten. You know, so. What's that like been for you um, playing alongside him and kind of, for the lack of a better term, you know, being in his shadow a little bit? Um, how does that put an extra chip on your shoulder? Which, what's it been like? It uh, It's actually kind of nice. I actually would kind of prefer it because I'm not fully in the spotlight. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I don't have to go out. Like, he's got to go out there. Every, he knows what he has to do every time. Uh-huh. Like, if he underperforms, it'll be, like, noticeable. But, like, if I go out there and underperform or, like, I don't have my best day, like, probably all right i got a couple other guys to pick me up like Mm -hmm. and i can just i don't have as much pressure on myself i guess i should say like it's just nice to kind of i can go out there play my game Mm -hmm. i know like if i can do it in the field and i can get on base a few times like i'm comfortable that the other guys and especially jimmy will do their job so yeah i feel the same way playing with robles it's Mm -hmm. it's like and it's a, a lot of pressure taken off you um and all the fan, all the attention, like you said, is on Jordan, right? Like when we play in Philadelphia or at these events or in the playoffs, like everyone's looking for Jordan for the, the big strikeout and the big hit and whatnot. So I feel like everything I contribute is kind of a bonus. It's definitely more important now, though, that like with the four-man lineups, guys like me and you still contribute because I noticed in the Wildcat series, like the Wildcats were very careful with Jordan, like pitched around him a little bit. And I definitely think that'll continue to happen in, you know, big series, playoff series, potentially if we make it. So... It, it does put, in that sense, if Jordan is unable to contribute because he's being worked around a little bit, I do feel the pressure that I'm like, okay, if he's not the guy, it's got to be me then, right? That so. is that is where the pressure comes in. Jimmy, like, he always drills in my head. He's like, you're going to be behind me in that lineup yep. because if they want to walk me or yep. if they want to, like, pitch around me, then you got to be there to do yep, something. Exactly. Like, yes, sir. Like, yeah, no, you're, he's right. He's right. I feel like when people work around Jordan, then it's like, okay, I'm going after Tom, so I got to. I got to then capitalize on that. Like I, I talked about a lot in detail the uh, at bat that I long at bat I had against Kyle, where he struck me out, but it was, he intentionally walked Jordan to load the bases, and then I struck out. Like moments like that are the moments that me and you are going to get put into in the big games. And we mm-hmm. got to step up and, and make things happen to That's get the he, wins. Jimmy definitely makes it like makes it known. He's like, you got to be ready for these kind of moments and stuff. Mm-hmm. So definitely. That's that's where the pressure comes in. Jim's a good manager though. I think he does oh, a good yeah. job leading you guys. Very he, good manager. The D backs, I think, probably. We say like they have the best team chemistry because like they came in as three best friends and you guys see that on the field, like how well you, Shima and Jim blend. But even like taking on Bennett and Flood and not Pishka, 
I hear you guys' group chats like always pretty active, which sounds oh, yeah. silly, but like that's important to build yeah, the friendships, I think, is. right? Yeah, especially like bringing in a new guy, like bringing in Trey, like he's so much younger than us. Like, yeah, but we just it's click definitely anyways. a little They're yeah. like bringing in Bennett, bringing in Pishka, especially this year, like a new guy, like welcoming him right in, like yeah. just having him join in on the fun. Like, this is fun. Let's, mm-hmm. let's have fun. Let's have fun. I agree. I've, I've, you got, you guys have motivated me a lot over the last like two seasons to always like, yeah, be talking to my guys and building those relationships. And, uh, Philly was cool because I felt like me, me, Matt, and Davenport just shared a hotel room um for the weekend so i feel like us us three bonded a lot which was cool because it does help like just like i didn't really know caden the whole first season i played with him and then i feel like caden played a lot better last year pitching wise because like it was more like integrated like fun like you said like Mm -hmm. we're all friends just playing wiffle ball for fun that's just more successful so jimmy's done an excellent job on that front i think of making everyone feel like it's just one big friend group in the d-backs locker room um, and it, it shows, it shows. It doesn't hurt that Bennett and Trey are also goofballs. I feel yeah. like everyone, <laughs> I don't know how Pishka is. Pishka yeah. seems cool. Yeah, he's a little more quiet, but he's super cool. A little bit quiet. Is he probably a little bit out of place, maybe? I wouldn't say out of place. He just gotta, he's gotta warm up a little bit. He's gotta warm up a little yeah. bit. He's gotta break down the walls a little yeah. bit. That's funny. He seemed like a really nice kid. He is. He's and awesome. I, I was happy he hit the home run for sure. Cause he drove what, like five hours for that? Yeah. So he stayed two like, games. Yeah. He stayed for a bit too. Yeah. Nice. So that was cool. Happy, happy he could contribute. All right, well, let's get into this week's comment of the week, and it comes from, I can't even describe how to pronounce that, but that username you see on the screen right now, and he says, the best way to honor the history of Detroit is losing a perfect game with one out left. Way to stay true to your roots, Jim. <laughs> that awesome. one hurt a little bit. It's, it's a little stab. It is a little gotta, bit stab, I gotta respect it's funny. The, yeah. It's funny. If you guys are unfamiliar with the reference there, uh, many, many years ago, Armando Galarraga uh, had a perfect game going into the ninth inning with two outs, and there was a blown call at first base. I'm sure most of you guys know, but if you didn't, just give yourself a YouTube search of Galarraga. You'll you'll see the clip, and uh, it's infamous in Detroit here of being yes. our almost perfect game. Haunt us. So Jim did Jim Jim did pay homage to his Tigers there in that one. Jim's probably the biggest Tigers fan in our entire league. So there was the the, the eat him up clip was funny in the intro. Yeah, did you noticed yeah. that <laughs> Jim Jim on TikTok does little breakdowns of every Tigers game that he calls eat em ups. And because uh, Eat 'em Up Tigers is like our little slogan, and uh, I think he does a good job at that. Oh yeah, definitely. but uh, overall, it was great. It was a great series. You know, it was stressful for sure trying to coordinate, um, getting all those venues in the first place, mm-hmm. and then also having Comerica be rescheduled. And I will say for the record, guys, this is funny. Um, in hindsight, it's funny because it all worked out in the end. But the one, the only option that Comerica was giving us to reschedule the game was June twenty fourth, which was the Philly series. That's why we couldn't reschedule it. That was the bummer of the whole thing. We did we didn't want to just cancel Philly because Comerica had to be moved. So it didn't work in the schedule. And that the twenty fourth was too late anyway because of uh we need to get that video up and finish slate two to get into slate three. So uh it was unfortunate that, that was the one day they had for us available to maybe take the field. And we apologize to all of you who uh you know drove up and wanted to see that game and were unable to meet us and, and whatnot. It was a bummer. But at the end of the day, I think we did a good job pivoting and uh, making the most of the of the video. So hopefully you guys all enjoyed it. And I wanted to get Jack's feedback on this series too, despite him not being on the pod today. So let's head to a quick bonus segment right now of a conversation between Jack and I. Hey, Jack, how you doing? Doing great, Tom. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Just wanted the viewers to hear your voice this week. Didn't want to. Didn't want to ghost you. Yeah, back here in the in the virtual land. Back it feels, virtual it feels land. a bit awkward. It feels like like the OG I've been pods, here so. before, but I don't I don't want to be here though. You know, the in person <laughs> the in person is is where the real money's made. It really is that. where we make our money for sure. Yeah, but uh, we know that. Good good to see you and good to hear from you nonetheless. 
Uh, real yeah. quick, I just wanted to get your opinion on the video, the series, as someone who was not there, kind of a third party, almost like a fan's perspective. Uh, what did you think, Jack? What was your feedback on the uh, historic Detroit series? Well, I think it. it I think it's um, honestly, I'm surprised it, it kind of took us this long to like make something like that about the city of Detroit because it is, you know, the biggest city, kind of where we're at here, where where we, uh, you know, run MLW, mm-hmm. and a lot of us, you know, if you guys have heard the podcast are unfortunately proud Detroit sports fans um you know a lot you know we frequent um kind of going down there for concerts and and different things like that but I I really did like how um you know the video propped up Detroit and like showed the the cool things about Detroit and what it has to offer because I do think you know obviously biasly I think it it does kind of get a bad rap and has had some dark times like in its history as a city, but has also come a long way. Definitely. Um, and I, and it's still got a long ways to go, but, uh, but it's definitely, it's definitely turning around. And I thought it was a really cool, you know, feature piece for the video. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of you can relate to that, whether you're, big city in your state is St. Louis or Chicago, or maybe you live by San Francisco or Kansas city. Everyone, you know, you have that tie to your city forever to where, you know, you're, you're, whenever someone asks you where you're from, you know, you're proud to say that. So I think you're right. I think it was maybe a little bit overdue that we did something to highlight the city of Detroit. And, uh, I mean, you guys see me all the time on this podcast repping Tigers gear and Tigers hats. And me and Jack are huge Lions fans. So 100% um, going down to games in Detroit uh, as growing up as kids definitely had a big impact on us all. And we all dreamt oh, yeah. of playing there as kids. So to, to kind of do that, in a sense, was uh, pretty special. But uh, in terms of the actual series, Jack, were you surprised to see the Eagles go down? Um, I was surprised to see them go down without a fight, like they did <laughs> in the in the end. There, um, oh gosh, I I don't know what what was the the thought process. I mean, we're skipping ahead to Game Three a little oh, bit. No problem. What was what was the thought process there in terms of? the pitching decision, the bullpen decisions on the, on the count of the Eagles to go into blade Walker. Well, or even well, just start first to start Dan and second to go to blade Walker. So yeah, you may have missed this. And I talked about this with Jonah a little bit. So Dallas Allen actually is dealing with a bit of an elbow injury. So that Ooh. is why Dan Schultz went in. I know we we're all a little bit scared at first. I'll give you guys, I'll put you guys at ease a little bit and say that he is feeling better now. And he's pitching again in baseball and he did start against the Cobras when the Eagles played the Cobras since that series has occurred. So things are looking up for Dallas, but that was the reason that Dan had to go in. And uh, yeah, so Dallas was essentially unavailable there, and it, it definitely showed. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I figured there was something. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, that's if I was an Eagles fan, that would scare me a lot. Uh, for sure. It's a, it's a very, they are a very different team um, without you know, without Dallas Allen's arm. Yeah, especially sure. with and Landon's hurt too. He's still recovering from that foot injury. So this is like turning into an injury ridden season for the Eagles. Yeah. I mean their Which backs are definitely against the wall now. I think the the diamond the Diamondbacks are in a unique position now because um at least last year, right, they were kind of on the outside looking in mm-hmm. and and made a run. And obviously, you know, when you got a guy like Jimmy on your team, pretty much anything is possible. But now they've sort of taken like the driver's seat and have some some young studs. Um, also, adding Pitchka mm-hmm. is huge for them. I I played against him. We played against him, Tom, in the um, 
the slugfest in Illinois. Yeah. And honestly, I was like, this kid is definitely going to, this kid's <laughs> definitely going to make some noise here in MLW, just playing against him in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder if we'll see him on the mound at all this year because he was pitching in that tournament. I know that was fast pitch, but um, I mean, they may I, not need him. They yeah, may not need him because they got they got Trey Flood, who uh, you know quietly is is having a pretty remarkable year so far, um, and and doing it with some with a lot of confidence for a kid his age too. You know, kind of similar to RJ in a way. Yeah, the the D backs pitching staff has been remarkable so far with the the tandem of Norp and Flood. So yeah, I don't know if Pishka is needed. Like you said, he can throw it. He can definitely swing it, as we saw. He's got a nice looking swing. But yeah. they're they're in good shape. They're a hundred percent in the driver's seat. They sit at five and one. And then after that, it's kind of ugly in the NL. You got the Eagles at one and five, Gators at two and four, Mallards at two and four. So uh, they got a pretty comfortable cushion right now. Yeah, I mean after your after your series against the wildcats i'd have to imagine you were kind of thrilled to see one of those teams get swept right i mean a little bit but i mean i still want to win this division and seeing the d-backs getting this huge leads a little scary but uh yeah yeah i mean it's it, it definitely puts me at ease a little bit more um knowing that like we're not uh, gonna have to be clawing our way from the bottom to try to make the playoffs you know we still have a couple other people right alongside of us at the bottom so Absolutely. It's going to be it's going to be interesting how those those three teams kind of below the Diamondbacks, how that that shakes out in the NL. But yeah. I mean, the Diamondbacks uh, are just looking like a complete team. Um, they're kind of just clicking on all cylinders right now. I mean, really, um, they they have been outside of the first three series of last season. The Diamondbacks have been running on all cylinders since the beginning of 2021. You know what I mean? That's true. Yes, I mean, they I mean, are that's just true. they are just a machine as an organization and Jim's done a great job. So uh, yeah, it seems like the beginning of last year was sort of just an outlier. I don't know if it was injuries. I don't, Jimmy was kind of like not healthy the whole year last year. So maybe that was a factor in it, but they mm. seem to have figured it out again for sure. Absolutely. Would, would not count the Eagles out at all by any means, especially if Dallas is just dealing with a minor injury and this is, you know, something that's only going to be a temporary setback for them. Um Yeah. I, I agree, and Jack, to be honest, I'm already kind of planning for you and I to do a little bit of a, a rundown of the standings at the All-Star break, and we'll, mm. see where the, we'll see where the Eagles settle in after their next series to finish off Slate 3, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of do think that regard, whether they win all three of those games or lose all three of them, they're not going to be in first place right at the break. They can't catch right. the D-backs regardless, and I think they're kind of a team to watch out for in the playoffs. Very similar to the D-backs last year. They they have the talent to win games on a given day. If Dallas is playing well, both offensively and defensively, we know Dan can swing it a little bit. Blake can get into one every now and then. Even Zach Whalen's a good hitter, too. So, like, if they put the pieces together at the right time, they are a team to watch out for in the National League, still, in my opinion, despite being 1-5. Oh, absolutely. And what a great opportunity for them you know, you talk about like storylines, what a great opportunity for them to sort of bounce back from last year, right? Last year, they were kind of coasting through the first two thirds, you know, 75% of the regular season. And then it kind of faded away there towards the end of the year. But now it's kind of like they have their, their backs against the wall a little bit, you know, here early after, after a tough first two series. And, um, what a, what an interesting storyline, you know, it would be if the Eagles were able to kind of make some noise here down the stretch. Yeah, you got to love this league, man. You never know. Any given day, any team can show up and do one thing or the other. So that's why I love MLW. I do one more comment on the on the video and the mm-hmm. series. I thought um, 
you know, it's very hard guys to, to be able to schedule the different things that, that MLW is putting on, um, to coordinate all the players and get them there, you know, so that we can film a video for sure. Right. And there's a lot of different variables that, that come into play. And you guys, I thought in terms of the video, you know, obviously people don't see the behind the scenes and what went into getting that worked out. But as far as the video turned out, I thought you guys did a really good job kind of audibling away from the original plan and going with what, what worked and we're, was still able to kind of work it into the, you know, historic Detroit feeling um, mm-hmm. of that whole video. So I thought you guys did a really good job with that. So, you know, just shout out to commish there for making another great video and uh, being able to work through some of the kinks. Yeah. I mean, to any creator out there, anybody trying to do anything or accomplish any goal, um, more often than not, probably your plan A is not going to be what actually goes down. And it's very important to be able to try to pivot and keep an open mind and stay positive and try to transition into whatever it may be in that plan B, your plan C, your plan D, and make the most of it. So, uh, yeah, we definitely exhausted a lot of options. And uh, it was stressful getting it all together. But once again, shout out to Rudy. And uh, I think I was pr- you can't be you can't complain with the final product. I don't think too much. So do you think what, okay, two part question. Got it. Um, do you think it would be possible in a game to hit a home run over that wall? And two, if the answer to that was yes, what player in our league would be able to do it? I think the answer is yes. If you were to hit it to dead center player to do it, um, I, I honestly, it could be anybody, Jack. It just it's just catching the ball the right way and just right. But uh, I mean, it, you got to hit it tough. high and hard to, to give some to give you guys some backstory. I didn't say this yet. Yeah, when we got the dimensions for the thing, I was like, I was kind of steering us away from left field at first, and Kyle's like, no, like that's totally hittable, totally hittable. And I was like, I don't think it is. That's like almost it's over <laughs> double the size of the Oklahoma wall. And he's like, trust me, it's hittable, it's hittable. <laughs> we get there, and he's like. I don't, I don't think anyone's hitting it over. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was like, if you go to center field, maybe you got to just completely sky it. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, mm-hmm. like total distance isn't even the most important thing. You got to just hit it really high. Yep. So I'm sure there's been some balls that were hit at the Meadows over the course of the last five years that like one of those would have went out or a couple of those would have went out, if that makes sense. But the, the odds were not in their favor with only just three innings played there, if that makes sense. I think I think Robles and my boy G Millie definitely would have G- a good. G Millie hits shots good, though. He hits G- line drives. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. I don't know him that well, but from what I've but seen, but he he, I feel like he's a good enough hitter to where if he sees how high the wall just, is, just, just he, he'll it. be able to adjust and and swing up on the ball a little bit and get it over. For okay, that's fair. That's fair. He is a darn good yeah. hitter. So yeah, but all right, Jack. Well, I appreciate your feedback on the vid. I'm sure the fans loved it too, and uh, good to hear your voice for a little while in today's pod. Absolutely, Tom. Thanks for uh, thanks for including me on this one. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to it, guys. A couple of good videos coming up for sure, including the Philly series, Home Run Derby, All-Star Game, all of Slate 3. Also, I will spoil it here, guys. Well, not really spoil because I think we're announcing it today, as in Tuesday, the date of the upload of this podcast. Might be news to you, actually, Jonah. Um, July 29th. St. Louis, we are coming. We're bringing the Magic and Cobras down there for their special series. It's going to be at the Gateway Grizzlies field right there outside of St. Louis, doing the whole series there on the field. Two games before the Grizzlies game, one game after. 
It'll be under the lights that game three. Should be absolutely electric and uh, excited for another out-of-state series in the calendar. So we're about a month away from that now, and we're uh, making sure we're trying to plan the best we can to make it another excellent event like Philly was too. So exciting times ahead. Uh, thanks for tuning in, fellas. Another good pod in the books. Preston Colm has the worst autograph in the league, and we'll catch you guys next week.